we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Hello, Earth friends and friends from the great beyond. Welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And I'm Willow Truman. Hi, Willow. Hi, Sequoia. I, I couldn't do that opening well because I was distracted by you. You've made a giant stuffed teddy bear into a chair and you're like yeah. laying against it and staring off to a, at a lamp. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how we're doing this. I'm today. in the zone over yeah. here. I don't I'm all it. luxuriated. I'm like on a little like Victorian fainting couch. That's how I'm laying right now is like all sprawled out. This is how I've just chosen to do it tonight. I'm in full support. Yeah. <sighs> Comfy over here at the bazaar. It is. It's a comfy bazaar. Mm-hmm. Yep. That has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Yeah. We're, we're talking about something. You've told me that it's going to be silly and fun, which I'm in the mood for. It is. Now, this might surprise some people. So what we're talking about today, a man named Indrid Cold. Now, Indrid Cold, he's, this is modern folklore in its like purest form, I think. Like, Maybe dude's real. I don't know. We'll get into that. Maybe the spaceman's real. Who knows? Indrid. Maybe he's not a spaceman. Maybe he's the government. Maybe he's the, the How FBI. How popular the is that name? Indrid? Yeah. Not popular enough. It's fucking cool. It is, he also, it's kind of cool, yeah. He has the coolest name of any, like, anything in the paranormal canon, Indrid Cold. That's a great mm. name. Mm. Aura Reigns is pretty cool, too. Uh, it's a bit, it's a bit much. It's a bit strippery. <laughs> The injured cold is it's a bit strippery. It's, it's awful. <laughs> She's a, and her specialty is golden showers. I'm not a thief. <laughs> Aura rain. Oh my god. Injured cold. So you better go warm them up. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to do an intro with a bit of gravitas because people are just be like, what the fuck are these assholes? Right. <laughs> I got to actually tell them what we're talking about. Okay. So, Indrid Cold is a great piece of like modern folklore. He's a character often associated with the Mothman uh, because his first in-print appearance was in John Keel's book, The Mothman Prophecies. Well, but Indrid is a sort of tangential. It's something almost just as strange as the Mothman, but it's doesn't really intersect with that story too much. And if you don't know, like, don't worry about if you don't know that story, because it's really not. No. It's sort of just tangential, but it's very interesting. That's part of the same thing. Well, basically, in the Mothman prophecies, John Keel goes down to Point Pleasant, right? Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And he, he talks to the town folk and says, you folks notice anything weird going on around here? They're like, fuck you. Yeah. Like yeah. A whole bunch, like and so much. There's a lot of weird stuff. So it's called the Mothman Prophecies, but really there's so much more going on in that book than the Mothman. Yeah. And Indrid Cold is in there too. Yeah. And Indrid Cold is a character that has sort of, has taken on a life of his own outside of that. And there are reports of, you know, 
him being seen other places. He has some, there's some connections with the, you know, the men in black, like he gets referenced by other off, uh, authors in the UFO paranormal. Yeah. Like what field. is he? Is he, is he an alien? Is he a person? Is he an agent? We don't, we don't know. It's a very confusing story. With He's an Indrid. A, a ton of bullshit, a ton, a ton of bullshit, but also some of the, some of the more compelling evidence that you're going to find in these high strangeness stories, I think, um, and maybe it's not evidence, but arguments, I guess, compelling arguments. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. But we're mostly going to focus on a book called Visitors from Lanulos by a, by a man named Woodrow Derenberger. And Woodrow Derenberger, the basic gist is, he had an encounter with an alien, said his name was Injured Cold. A whole bunch of stuff happened. They went on a lot of adventures. They had a lot of fun. Woody learned a lot. And, uh, wow. It's <laughs> <laughs> the adventures of Woody and Indrid. Yeah. And, you know, Indrid is portrayed in the meat, and he's become like an internet monster now. He's the grinning man, the smiling you know? man, the smiling man. Creepy smiling. And the actual book by the guy who allegedly met Indrid, it's. It's like a fucking Dr. Seuss book. It's the silliest. Visitors from Lanulos is the name of it. Yeah, right? Visitors from Lanulos. It's about 77 pages. That's not very many. <laughs> it's really not, but there's so much happens. So much fucking happens. So much happens in those, the small <laughs> it's, book. Okay, we're going to tell the story of Indrid Cold and Woody Derenberger. It starts on a rainy night in West Virginia. On the night of November 2nd, 1966, traveling salesman Woodrow Derenberger drove a Ford Eco van en route from Marietta, Ohio to his home in Mineral Wells, West Virginia through pouring rain. The van was loaded with stereos and sewing machines, because uh, that's what he sold. Stereos and sewing machines. Mm, must-haves. Yep. At approximately 7.25 p.m., one of the sewing machines fell off the stereo it was sitting on. Uh, this detail is only mentioned so that you know not to buy anything from traveling salesmen. Yeah. Shit's all fucking broken because they're just letting it flop around in their van. Just flopping around back there. So upon hearing the crash, Derenberger turned his interior light on to see whose sewing machine he fucked up. Um, and just then he noticed a car speeding up behind him. And as it passed, and this is weird how he describes this because, like, he always mentions this first car. He sees a car speeding up behind him, goes by his window... Woody saw something else coming up the road behind them. Woody thought it was another car. But as it came up alongside him and matched his speed, he realized it had no headlights and was hovering off the ground. It was no car, but a, and quote, strange machine, the likes of which he had never seen before. The strange machine pulled ahead of him, and then, once sufficiently far enough ahead as to not cause a crash, it turned sideways to block the road. Woody says that he had time to comfortably stop without slamming on the brakes and fucking up more sewing machines. Once we stopped, he says a door on the strange craft opened, like, out towards him, and there was, like... Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. So, one, what looks like a car, goes to to the side of him while he's driving. Like, it's going to pass him, but then it doesn't pass him. No, it passes him. Oh, it it's passes just like, him. It's just someone else driving. It goes... Oh, up. okay. Yeah. So, someone passes just passes him. him. Yep. And then this other, what he thinks is a car, comes up behind him. Yeah. But then it's hovering and it's going really fast and it like it goes in front of him. It like as it's so it's coming up behind him 
as this first car passes, it's coming up behind him, and as it, the way he always describes it, like, as it comes up on his side, it matches his speed. And he looks out, and he's like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah. as one would. And, like, it's just alongside him, and then it goes out in front of him, and then it, like, kind of goes out far enough so that Woody can comfortably stop, but then it blocks the road. Like, it just hovers blocking the road. Woody stops, right? Woody stops, and then he says this fucking door opens. Like, it opens on the side hinge out towards him, and I guess there's, like, light, you know, silhouetting, like, yeah. a man, Oh, like, right? a bunch of fog rolls out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Like, so out of this door, like, the fucking, it's the classic, the ramp, you know, comes down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, like, stairs. I forget what exactly it is. And, like, the, this UFO is shaped weird, too. Uh, Woodrow said it was, like, two uh, kettlebells on end. Kettlebells. So it, like, it flares out at the ends, like um, like a funnel end, but, like, Ooh. thicker in, in, in the middle. And then it comes to another central, like, bulge, almost like I a, can't imagine that. Like a rolling pin fucked a TIE fighter. I'm like that. Oh. No, that's a bad description. It's kind of funny. Like an hourglass fucked a rolling pin. Okay, weird. Yeah. <laughs> really weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's like not your normal saucer shape thing. So then this dude walks out. And like, it's raining. Woody's just in his Ford Eco van on the side of the road. And as this dude gets out, the craft starts hovering like it lifts up and just goes like he says between 50 and 100 feet up into the air right and it's just hovering there mm-hmm. way the fuck up and this dude starts walking towards him and as like what he said that it like <laughs> as this dude walked towards him his headlights hit him so he could see and he said that it was just this guy yeah. Handsome hey there, feller. Yeah. Handsome and slim with a head full of combed hair, uh, of hair combed back over his head, very tan skin, and a pleasant appearance. A pleasant appearance. Yeah, a very pleasant nice. appearance. He's, he's easy on the eyes. And courteously, this dude, he walked not like in the direct straight line to the driver's side window of Woody's van. He walked diagonally across the headlights so that Woody could see him. And then he walked over to the passenger side, right? Quite courteous if you're coming up to someone's van in the middle of the night. Yes, yeah. So as he is crossing those headlights, Woody says that he he felt this dude tell him or ask him to uh, roll down his passenger side window. He was like, that's what he asked me, but he didn't say anything. Okay. But he asked it. Like I knew, but I didn't hear it. But I knew that's exactly what he was saying. Some telepathic communication going on. Yeah, but the way uh, the way what he describes it, it's very like it's sort of compelling. I don't know. And this dude was like, he, he, what he rolled. So what he rolled down the window, he complied. And this dude in like a fucking a salesman suit, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's that's what that's what he's showing. Up. Yeah, it's the same. It's, two guys who are very similar to each other. They're probably wearing the same clothes. Right. You know? He just stood there in the rain fucking smilingly. But what he says, like, pleasantly, not creepy at all, but what he was still fucking yeah. terrified. Right? I mean, no matter what expression is on this man's face, you're going to be like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. 
So the least, you know, the least he could do to make it less scary is a smile, perhaps. Like, would it be more scary if he was just blank-faced? Definitely. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Well, Woody also said that, like, he wasn't just, like, had this fake plastic smile, either. He wasn't just in the same, like, Joker grin. He was just, like, a... He just looked like a nice guy. His yeah. He's like, he really looked like a nice guy, but I was scared shitless, right? But... The stranger tells him to not be afraid. He's like, don't be afraid. And uh, he asked his name. And Woody says he was too frightened to answer and felt paralyzed. Uh, The stranger then said that he could think the answer if he wanted to instead of answering verbally. Woody doesn't remember doing either, but the stranger said anyway, nice to meet you, Mr. Derenberger. My name is Cold. That's all he said, just my name is Cold, which is... What a fucking sentence is that? My name is Cold. It's just like, where the fuck does that... That's like... I don't know. It's just such a great fucking sentence. Yeah. I'm so glad that exists. <laughs> Holy shit. So, Cold says... Cold, Cold asks, do you work for a living? Woody replies, yes, I'm a salesman. And then Cold said that he was a, a searcher. He's like, oh, you're a salesman? I'm a searcher. Ew. And he wished Woody no harm, only happiness. Yeah, you know what I would say if someone asked me if I work for a living? What? Say, no, I live for a living. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) There you go. Stick it to the man. Work for money. (laughs) Well, Derenberry said he was still super friendly throughout all this. He was like standing there with his arms crossed and his hands under his armpits, just like a guy. He's just a guy. And Cold's like, hey, what are the... I'm a searcher. I yeah. love that. He's like, what are the what are the lights in the distance down the road there? And, like, Woody felt the impression that he was pointing down the highway, even though Cold was still standing there with his hands under his armpits. Yeah. Well, they're like, on a whole another like, level with yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And then Woody told him it was Parkersburg, West Virginia. Uh, Cold asked if people lived there, and Woody said that it was mostly a place of commerce and that the people, by and large, lived outside the city. Cold said that where he was from, a place like that was called a gathering and that all the people lived in gatherings. Then he said, Mr. Derenberger, look at me. I'm the same as you are. I sleep and breathe and bleed even as you do. The whole conversation happened telepathically, but contrary to, again, what the urban legends say about Mr. Cold, he didn't just stand there with a plastic smile on his face like a fucking creep. Woody Woody says the expression on his face changed at times, but he was just simply friendly. And here's Woody uh, the day after talking about the event on local news. Now you described the uh, you described the attire of this person uh more as a uh, more as a suit, such as I'm wearing, than than a uniform. Yes, that we I, know as a uniform. I would say that it wasn't a uniform. It uh, it didn't have you know the the cut of a uniform. It was more like you'd uh, wear a suit uh, to town. Or was it a cloth like this? Well, it was a bright, shiny color cloth. It looked like a what my wife calls a hard fabric. It glistened when the lights would shine on it. Uh, a luminous type. Yes. Uh, the arm that came out, another arm from inside came out to close the door when yes, this gentleman did. got back. Uh, was that arm clothed uh, in the same type of... I would say it was identically the same. It, it looked the same to me exactly. Now he had on, from what you could 
see. He had on a shirt that buttoned he, with I, a collar but no tie. He had no tie, but I know that the top button of his shirt at the throat, I know he had a button there. I seen that. I seen that button. I seen it. I seen it, and it was a hard fabric. What the fuck is he talking about? He's talking about this alien's but, fucking suit. And I love the, the question. He's like, well, was his other arm the same material? Like, I'd, how many one-armed shirts have you seen? So we're going to talk about this interview a bit later on. Okay. But the important <laughs> thing about this interview is um, this happened the day after, right? The, no, the, news, the news channel contacted Woody, not the other way around. That's really weird. I don't like it. There was an Air Force colonel there and a whole bunch of law enforcement. They're taking Woody for a fucking ride. Something weird's happening. Yeah. So, like, Mm. this story is already ridiculous, but something fucking weird's happening. Mm. Okay. I don't think I like it. Like, Indrid is just too... He's not Indrid yet. He's just cold. Okay, he's just cold. Uh, That's sort of important. Cold is weird, though. He's Look at me. I'm just like you. Yeah. Are also, you though? Cause, cause are you? I, I mean, do you bleed? He in Woody's story, he definitely does. Does he prove it? Does he like? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're they're just people. Okay. They're literally just people. Okay. He doesn't prove it though. He definitely does not. I had it. You know, what if they just look like people, but they're not actually people? We'll get into all that. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. One of the first. Th- it's not the first thing he says, but the. Second thing he says is, don't be afraid, which yeah. is like what angels fucking say every time they show right. up, like big, like the creepy fuckers they are, which I think is kind of what he's getting at here. I think it might be a little literary device, but. uh, Yeah, I don't know if cold is uh, negative or positive. I'm just going to go with neutral. Well, it'd be That's negative because my... it's the absence of heat, you know? Yeah. It's like it, cold. Yeah, cold is definitely like the negative, <laughs> yeah. the negative polarity. But it's not but, like he seems all right though. He's not like, creepy. Yeah, I'm just gonna assume that like he's neutral. But I don't know if he's a person. We don't know what the fuck this thing is. Yeah. But and like people are probably like, well, yeah, but this didn't happen and shit. Well, yeah, hold well on. hold that's, on. Then hold, we wouldn't, your, hold your horses. Then what are we doing here? Hold your horses. <clears throat> so back to the conversation outside the car. Cold repeatedly tried to reassure Woody that he meant him no harm and was uh, reportedly confused as to why Darren Berger was frightened. Stop it. Stop it. Why are you so scared? Just well, he was just like, why are you so He's And he said that, like, you don't you shouldn't be scared. Our country is much less powerful than yours is. Meaning, you know, the good old U.S. of A. OK. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here to commit Domestic terrorism. But that could have been like a psychic mistranslation. Yeah. Like country might have been yeah. in world or something, you know. But then Cold told Woody to report the events to the authorities and said that huh. he would then confirm these events at a later date. Or you know what he might have meant by like less powerful? Like I don't have power in this realm, like crossing over into like 3D, our world. Might yeah. be harder to uh, do things here. Yeah, I don't know. No, 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 no. We'll we'll get to that. Okay. Um, so here's back to the interview. It was there, and I was there. And now you you said that uh, he he also made the statement that we will see you again. 
when he was getting ready to leave, he stepped back from the truck about one step, and he said, uh, Mr. Dernberger, we will see you again. He didn't say I, he said we will see you again. And uh, when he got in the truck, or when he got in the vehicle, the door opened as he walked up to the vehicle, and he stepped up into it, and there was another man, or I couldn't describe this man because I could just see his outline, but I did see his arm and hand reach outside and take a hold of the door and pull the door closed. And when the door closed, it made an audible noise, like you'd shut the, a door on a big, heavy automobile. It, what kind of a noise did this object make when it was uh, hovering above the ground six or ten inches and and then uh, upon uh, letting the man off uh, and you say it went back up in the air 75 or 100 feet uh, this is a an object now that we're talking about that's nine eight or nine feet high 36 uh, feet long yes. and about eight or nine feet across that's in, right in breadth uh, uh, it would Although it's really not too large an object, it is. It's larger than what a an automobile, for example. Yes. Uh, and to lift something like that would take a lot of uh, a lot of force to do this. What kind of a sound did this make? It uh, the the sound when it was hovering over the ground and when it was lifting, I, I couldn't distinguish no difference in the sound. It was a low fluttering noise. It. Uh, well, if you've ever heard the blades of a helicopter as it was idling, sitting on the ground, that would be the closest way that I can describe the noise it made. But it was not very, very loud. Can you can you make a noise that it sounded well, like? Well, uh, it sa it was a fluttering <laughs> noise. It sounded something like. <laughs> but it's a sound you have never heard before. I have never heard anything like it before like, in my life. Let's let's get back to this. Uh, why do you have a? Why do you make him make the sound? Like that was. I'm glad he did. I'm really yeah, glad he yeah, did. Yeah. Also, I didn't realize we've been mispronouncing it this entire time. Yeah. His last name is Durnberger. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Word Durnberger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not Durnberger. Durnberger. I, I can't do his accent. That's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's like very, it's like a lilty Appalachian. It's. Yeah. So. I wouldn't buy anything from him. I might buy a sewing machine from him. <laughs> Just because I feel bad for the guy. <laughs> well. So cold ain't working alone. No. Cold yeah. is not working alone. There's, he's got buddies. Yeah. He's got buddies from Lanulos, but we don't know that yet. Right. Now. Dernberger don't know that yet. In the interview, they do ask him, were there other, like, he, this happened over the course of a while. Were there other people that saw it? Were there other cars that went by? And Woody's like, yeah, other cars went by. Like, what, the UFO is hovering, and, like, maybe they just saw me talking to a dude. That's, so, like, he does not, like, it wasn't like no one else saw it. He's like, yeah, I bet a bunch of other people saw it. Mm-hmm. So, Woody sped home, and he told his wife they needed to speak with her. This was Woodrow Derenberger's wife's response. Did you have an accident that has killed someone? If you, I'm just going to say this, that shouldn't be your wife's That's first response reaction. when you say That's you need what, to talk like, to her. That's why, like, I just paused because I'm just like, what? And I kind of feel bad bringing that up. But. What? It's just, a, that's a weird detail that is in every one of these, these recountings of this story. Yeah, like that's a detail. Okay. Yeah. 
Did you have an accident that has killed someone? It's just so, it's just, it's weird. He then called the police just like Cold wanted him to, and he told them everything. And the police- I wouldn't. I mean, maybe I would. I don't know what I would do if something like this happened to me. But I I might keep it to myself forever. I don't know. Dude, check this shit out. So the police were at first, like, his wife called the police. Yeah, he didn't call the police at first. It was his wife when he said, I need to talk to the police. And she's like, "Take take a seat. Relax a bit. You're telling me some crazy bullshit. Um, I'll get the police on the phone. She does. And they're like, is he like having a panic attack? Or they didn't. This was 1966. They didn't know what a panic attack was then. No. Is he having a. Is he having a conniption? Is he having an episode? Yeah. Fucking conniption. I just like he was he really nervous at, at first, but like he's he's calm now and, and shit. And they're like, OK, let's talk to him. And they. They said, look, Mr. Derenberger, first, first things first, you shouldn't be afraid to tell us this. Do because not be afraid, child. Two other people have already reported the same thing tonight. Like we know, we know about this dude. Okay. Yeah, so that's pretty legit. Yeah. And he tells him and he's like, okay, we'll go to bed and shit. And everyone's happy. You know, Colt's happy. Please say, Woody's not crazy. His wife's not crazy. But the next day when he was at work, like the local news got in touch with him and asked him to give an interview. And like, like I said earlier, like a whole bunch of people, important people were there. The police chief and Air Force sergeant, et cetera, et cetera. And like, okay. Yeah. That interview, it's on YouTube. It's like, it's over a half hour long. Um, wow. So they spent some time with this. They, with this yeah. And like, it wasn't like a, you know, morning news uh, I mean, fluffy segment. No, like, it was like, this guy this is, saw an alien. This is big deal shit. And like these important, I mean, it's West Virginia in the 1960s. So like important in the context of West Virginia, like, yeah, you know, Air Force Sergeant, West Virginia, 1966. Well, I can't even Virginia, imagine. I, I can't imagine, but I'm, ha- I'm struggling. Although there is rumors about like the real Area 51 being in Appalachia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would believe and, it. And like, of course, again, like this is West Virginia, 1966, 67. This is where the weird shit is mountains. happening. So as they're doing this interview, a bunch of fucking people, and this is being broadcast live, so a bunch of other pe- reports start coming in of uh, people seeing the same shit. Uh, a mother and her son watched it near the same spot. Woody had seen it. Another young man had the ship hover above him and shine a bright white light on his car. And then two truck drivers also saw it, but didn't report it to the police. They did, however, later report it to John Keel. They didn't report it to the police, they said, because they wanted to be anonymous because they didn't want to lose their jobs. That's what they told John Keel later on. Okay. We've mentioned John Keel a couple of times. He's something we have to explain a little bit. John Keel is a writer. He's, he's, he's a fucking character, man. He wrote the Mothman prophecies. Uh, you know, that Richard Dreyfus, I think, was in the movie and they, you know, they made a movie. Jesus. Oh, my God. You've gone to ultimate comfort mode. Ultimate. My neck was hurting. Okay. All right. That's better. This shit's weird as fuck. Yeah. 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 I'm, as su- I'm, retelling, I'm surprised. I'm like, this is fucking strange. So many people like called, called in reports of it. Like. Yeah. I, I guess, is that what you're supposed to do if you see something fucking crazy? You call the police? That's what they did then. Because remember, like, this is West Virginia. Yeah. This is, like, if you don't know about the Mothman prophecies and, like, this whole side of things, this shit got so weird. 
there were so many fucking UFOs just in the air over West Virginia. I mean, according to them, right? Like according to the people that were there or according to John Keel and like Gray Barker and shit. And like it, people were experiencing this shit. What it was, no fucking idea. No idea. I don't fucking know. But like this, this probably happened in some regards. But people have, you know, it's not like John Keel is a scholarly dude, right? Like he, he, he was a paranormal writer in the 1960s. Right. And it really, wasn't- like, if you're doing this sort of investigative work, it's you can't really test people for their credibility because you're just looking for people's eyewitness accounts. So right. you're going to have to more or less, I don't know, use your your gut and your own power of discernment to, like, make that call, really. And, you know, do your due diligence. But what you want is for, like, lay people and townsfolk yeah. to give you their accounts. You don't need the most credible... Um, well, like, people are like, oh, John Keel doesn't say the source. is like, yeah, he does. It's Bob. Yeah. Who'd rather be called Bob than his real name? Because he's talking about the time he saw a UFO. Like, right. like, like at a certain point, yeah, it does hinge on... If do you Bob can that? have... The, he has the right to privacy. And I would say, like... Go look up any talk by John Keel and like if you if you think that this, this dude just makes shit up, like go look at any talk that he's ever done because it's not a lot because he never made much money. And he's like, he agree or disagree. He's genuine. You know, he's not making this shit up whole cloth. Right. He didn't get rich. He just like Woody ruined his fucking life. Because that's what happens. Oh, no. After. Oh, but Woody, I thought he was going to have so much fun. Yeah. So, yeah. He's like in a little cowboy hat in my head. He's like, he's. He is going to have fun. Yeah. He definitely is. Yeah. Oh, and Indrid is like Buzz. And there. He's a lot like Buzz. That's a lot like Buzz. Yeah. 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 That's a good thumbnail right there. It's Woody and Buzz, but like um, change their heads. Do <laughs> you see it? I can see it. Okay. <laughs> I was for something. I'll, I'll put it I'll put weird. it up there. <laughs> Cause he's Woody Darenberger and he's a spaceman. Yeah. Injured cold. I see it. Yeah. I can see it too. <laughs> I mean to be honest, like that's how I've always thought of it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, like the brief background of the of what West Virginia is right now in 1966 is like, we're not going to get into the Mothman of that shit too much, but weird shit is a happening. And so John Keel was a wander in the hollers of West Virginia looking for the scoop. And Woodrow Derenberger was just one of the people that he talked to during this period in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, Point Pleasant where the Mothman happened was down the road a piece, right? It's the same, same area of West Virginia, right on the, the Appalachian mountains, that area. Yeah. Yeah. Weird shit. So the next day after the interview, Woody's driving with a friend and he gets a weird throbbing sensation in his right temple and says he immediately knows that Mr. Cold is trying to talk to him. He doesn't see the UFO. He doesn't see anything. He tunes in and Cold tells him to drive carefully and then explains to Woody that Cold comes from the planet Lanulos in the galaxy of Ganymede. Ganymede? Ganymede. Which Ganymede. Is, which is interesting because Ganymede is a moon of Jupiter. Oh, cute. Not a galaxy. Okay. Ganymede. Weird thing to say. Uh, oh, it sounds like the name of like a cute little pony. No, it really does. It sounds super cute. Yeah. This is about to get so cute, sort of, in one regard. <laughs> Ganymede um, is just a really cute name. I know. Uh, 
Woody says that he thinks Cold didn't give him accurate information for Cold's own personal security. He was like deliberately misleading him. But Cold says that Lanulos is much like Earth, except that they have three seasons, the planting, harvesting, and winter seasons. Their geography is nearly identical to ours, and so are their flora and fauna. Uh, so they have the exact same animals as us, except for some slight differences. And they have forests and seas and mountains. And this is all happening telepathically in Woody's fucking van with his buddy in the passenger seat. As, yeah. As he's driving. Cold tells him that he's married to a woman named Kimmy. He has two sons named Connor and Connard. <laughs> <laughs> no. And just had a baby girl. Named, named Connarda. No, no, named after his wife. She's named Camillus. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, cute. Um, their people had a life expectancy between 125 and 175 Earth years. Uh, Woody later in his book says that he attributes that their their extended lifespan to how much better they are than us at eating right and being healthy and stuff. Yeah, so they live a long time? Yeah, 125 to 175. Mm, okay. Uh, I don't need to live that long. I'd, nah, I could get a lot done. Yeah. I don't know. We said 400. That's what I'm shooting 400. for. 400? Yeah, oh. Yeah. Oh, God. I'll get there. <laughs> just got to stare at my orb more. Yeah. Yeah, but like- Connor as and Connor? Yeah. I'm sorry. Just- That's what Woody said, but like, as we'll get to, uh, Woody says a lot of stuff. Okay. So here's the thing. If someone's- communicating with you telepathically yeah you also have your own thoughts going on though right yeah they're talking like so that's that doesn't just stop because someone's telepathically communicating with you so how do you exactly know like what's getting maybe mixed up with your own thoughts or your own you know dude imagine being the dude in the passenger seat just like not knowing that your buddy is having a way more interesting conversation with it Someone you can't see. <laughs> not just because it's like early morning, got yeah. to work. It's like, no, he's, he's having a ball without you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as, as Cold, Cold says he's getting ready to break contact, because I guess he just had to fucking, he just had to tell Woody about his family, I guess. Yeah, you know, people like to talk about their family. He tells Woody that as when, when he breaks contact, Woody's going to feel a sharp pain. And then he tells him that his first name is Indrid. And that they'll be seeing each other again. Indrid Cold. That's where Indrid comes from. Is that Ooh, the light telepathic? flickered when you said that. <laughs> God damn it. His uh. so last name, he has to be a, the devil, right? Like, if your last name's Cold, what the fuck? I don't man? know. I don't know. Is Indrid Cold like a weird anagram for something that would is in, like, Latin? Well, it's that whole, se- the I don't know. Alan Greenfield and the secret site for the Euphonauts. Did, that's, like, his whole thing. We're going to touch on that at the end. Oh, okay. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. So after this, because of how fast the story spreads, because like this happens right after the big interview, right? And then it gets picked up by all these radio stations, TV stations all across the country. Like people hear about Woody Derenberger, the contactee, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. And the Derenberger house, because this was UFO fever at the time. Yeah. This was like, people were into this shit. And this was like when people, like, you know, the media and like, the army as we were. know i've like people have been into this shit for a while like it comes and it goes in waves but every now and then there's like a little contact craze. back here back in Especially this in time west virginia this time well it, in this era like you know there are interviews with air force colonels and like military people and they are entertaining the question of ufos completely seriously 
and saying like, yes, uh, we're looking into, you know, we're looking into, we're not exactly sure what, what it is, whatever the fuck they say. There are people. I don't know how to talk like an army guy. I'm the furthest thing from that. Uh, but you they're entertaining. Talk like this. <laughs> they don't do that in the press. They're yes, very they very well. Do. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, sir, we've, um, uh, mm-hmm. we're aware of the events that, uh, civilians reported in the sky. The, um, I don't know. I can't do it. No, it is for <laughs> what? <laughs> it's good. <laughs> we are aware that certain individuals have had had witnessed certain events transpiring in locations near or around their abode or place that they frequent, and we are aware that they have uh, reported such perspectives on witnessed events that we may or may not be able to com- comment on from from here. That's very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. That's the point. I'm not trying to be helpful. Trying to obscure the truth. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, listen, we know about it. Thank you for your time. Basically, <laughs> I mean, that's like, that's actually how they fucking were responding. Like, like yeah. um, but they didn't think of people as crazy. Like it, there's a real different flavor, kind of like what we're getting back to now with like yes. military shit, which I don't know what the fuck to make of all that. Um, but it was UFO fever. And so pretty soon the Derenberger house turns into a goddamn UFO fucking theme park. Oh boy. Or like it's an, or not a theme park. It's a convention. Like people just start showing up at their house to see UFOs. Uh, and, and it's they, like giant rock all over again. Yeah, exactly. Or all those other places it's like uh, right. Stephen Greer and Demi Lovato out there right. doing their little thing. It's this, it's the same what as an unlikely duo, except like that is a, it's so strange. It's really weird. Oh, I don't like that at all. No, me either. She's she's playing around with some dark forces. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. Fuck that guy. But yeah, like, it's not like the Derenbergers invited people there. You're just going to grin every time I say Derenberger. <laughs> he said it himself, too. Derenberger. Yeah, I was like, whoa. Derenberger. Uh, like, it's not like they, like, advertise, like, UFO convention today, you know, or forever. But yeah. But they didn't, like, it started small and they entertained it. Right. And they are like, right. It's not like a big convention, but it's like, hey, this is kind of a hot spot for weird stuff. Well, you got to imagine, like, if Woody's telling the truth in this, and like, but like, he is, there were people there. Yeah. Like, there's if witnesses. you believe John Keel, which like I do. And that's like why he went there is because it was a phenomenon. He went to go talk to the guy that he had heard about. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, you got to imagine the Durnbergers got, <laughs> they have to be, like, if they did experience this, they have to be super down to hang out on their porch till 4 a.m. talking about it. I would want other people to see it. I'd be like, yeah, right. you want to come see this shit? Yeah, c- come come here. Look, yeah. look, I'm not crazy. Look. And John Keel says that, like, he saw some weird lights one time and he went chasing after him. John Keel, the writer, did. <laughs> Just running down the road. No, he ran into the field because he saw him in the field. Oh, okay. And he said that all he discovered is that there was a male bull in the field and that the uh, fence was electric. <laughs> He wow. just fucking, he was nighttime. It was like, right, he ran, he ran to the field and hit a fucking that would electric fence snap and got chased me, by a that bull. That would snap <laughs> me right back into like, what, what, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like, he like, he was all muddy. He walked back. He was like, I don't know. Good what thing a, there was a fence there. Um, I don't want to just run into a bull. I No, I think he did. And like, he was like running from the bull and like hit the fence or something. Oh, geez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very silly. But they're like drinking whiskey and like watching yeah. for you. It's fun. But soon it gets a little out of hand. What he said, like one night, the cars were all down the street as far as the eye could see. And there was like 150 people 
in his fucking yard, and he saw that there were men in the trees with guns. Oh, jeez. Like fucking rednecks hanging And they're ready to tree. shoot down the aliens. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you. What he called the cops to clear them out, and, like, they did, but, like, then the people all just came back as soon as the cops left. Yeah. Kid starts getting made fun of at school, people bothering them till 4 a.m. He has to leave his family alone with these creeps while he goes trying to sell sewing machines and stereos. Right. Oh, so there's just like people. Yeah, the all people the come time. into the house. Oh shit. He yeah. Gets, he starts getting fake calls from people pretending they want to buy stereos and sewing machines from him, but actually just want to talk about UFOs. So he drives all the way out to fucking like Ohio oh, that's or something. Annoying. Yeah. So he's losing money. His son's getting made fun of. He's leaving his wife. Like, On, okay. For leave. most abductees or contactees that come forward or experiencers, <laughs> yeah, who talk about their experiences. Usually their lives aren't made better for it. Never. Uh, typically they're made worse. Like they're, they have to deal with a lot of shit. Oh, well, a lot of shit. He got to sell his book. Dude. Yeah. You, get, book you get to write a book about it. Cause what else do you do? No one this? bought. There were like 12 copies made of the, the visitors from uh, Lanulos. Yeah. There, it was probably first published in 1971. That's one of like the rarest books. Is it like self published? Yeah. Uh, or like published by a very, very small um, I think one someone's estimation was that there was like twelve copies of the original left yeah. in existence. Because I don't imagine any big publishers were clamoring to publish Dernberger. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's not good. Um, but there was a recent reissue of it uh, that was like good. I guess edited by his daughter, and I guess cool. there was well, she also wrote a. She's still alive. She has written her own very small book from her perspective of the events. She says that in the show Hellier, in an interview, she says that Connor and Connard have visit her on Christmas from time to time. Well, that's very nice. Isn't it? Do they have Christmas on uh, Lanulos? No, but they're very religious. We'll get into that. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> oh. But, yeah, so the but the Derenbergers they they moved three times. Oh yeah, the thing I was gonna say is uh, um some some there was some reviews that said that like Woody's daughter changed or like edited some things out of the original. Uh-huh. And I wasn't able to find a good co- a PDF copy of the original. So I don't know if that's true, but if anyone knows if anyone has a perspective on that, get at me because I'm I'm curious what she uh cut out or changed or whatever. Yes. Um they didn't sell fuck all, even though there's new reissues. Like they didn't sell. No one made any money on this. Ever. John Keel died broke as shit. Yeah. Not even him. And he wrote the best books. Right. His books are great. Read them. Um, but it didn't, like, Richard Gere made money off of it. Fucking Richard Gere made a lot of money off of it. Yeah. Richard Gere. <laughs> Jesus <money> Christ. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out, Willow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. Somehow at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like, this- John Keel. <laughs> If this is a con, it's the least effective con yeah. in history. And the Derenbergers ended up moving three times because people kept following them. Every time they moved, people... What the fuck? And well, every time they moved, apparently, people started seeing UFOs in the area they moved into. And then they would find out that Woodrow Derenberger just moved in. And then the convention would start again, and they'd have to move. So weird. So fucking weird. Whoa, so what a nightmare. Weird. Yeah. For these people that are just like, oh, shit, leave us alone. Yeah. Eventually, Get a dog, guys. Dude, eventually. And so would the TV news crew would come in, too. They wanted more Woody. Mm. You heard his voice. Can't Why do you want more Woody. of that? It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> um, and eventually, 
Woody's wife couldn't take it anymore, and she left with the kids to Cleveland. Wow. Yeah. To Cleveland, to too. Cleveland. That's how you know it's bad. Woody would follow. Woody would try moving to Cleveland in 1970, but by that point, the marriage was beyond repair, and it was just done. Then he was just fucking in Cleveland, Ohio, single. Had, yep, you're what? alone. You're, you and your weird alien yeah. orbs and things in the sky. It's, yeah. it's your problem now. But, hey. He did make what he did make some space friends. That's good. Because throughout all this time, them moving three times these four fucking years. Yeah, is he still hanging out with them? The visits from injured cold, they they didn't stop, and in fact, they got more frequent and weirder and weirder. Cool. All right. So you lose a wife, you gain a space buddy. It's a lot of space buddies. So many. Wow. Yeah. While they were still living in Mineral Wells, the first spot, Woody hears a knock on his door one night. It's injured cold and his friend. Carl Ardo. Carl Ardo. Carl Ardo. Carl Ardo. Carl Ardo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Carl Ardo is basically like Indrid's Man Friday. Woody invites the two spacemen in, and they say they don't want to wake his family, so they all sit out on the on the porch in the cold night and they talk. Oh, so his family's still here at this point. Yes, this is like one of the next. We're going back in time. This is like one of the cool. This is in the beginning. Yeah. All right. So they, they're having a conversation about their respective cultures and shit. Just like, I guess, smoking cigars, smoking I was, lights I was shit. just imagining that. You literally read my mind. No, and like, it's just described as like, these are just dudes hanging out. Yeah. Like these, yeah, like, they're just like, this dude might be from space, but he's just a dude and he's just your buddy. Yep. That's it. And not even in a weird way. They're just buds from different cultures. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but very different cultures because injured tells Woody that the Lanulosians, they never had any war. They couldn't understand the word hate. They taught, they taught that all children are brothers and sisters, and no matter who they are or where they're from, all people are God's children. There's only one God. <laughs> okay. And the sole purpose on any world is to serve God and love one another. How amazing that they... That they know about God, that they, well, they're just like us, I they're guess. They're just like us. They're just like us, except they don't hate. Right. Yeah. Wow. Injured couldn't understand why there were different religious beliefs on earth, why wars existed, why people hated each other. He said it's because we don't, don't have, tele- we don't have telepathy, that we don't understand we're all the same. That's what he said. Yeah. That like, if we just could just see into each other's minds and understand we're all the same, there would be no more hatred or anything. I don't know. I think there's a lot of people where if you could see into their mind, you'd be like, uh-oh. Yeah, no. I am in <laughs> solid disagreement. If you could see into my mind, you'd be like, uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't want anyone. Leader. I mean, maybe, like, no. Just no. Mm-mm. No. That's could- my little secret. That's for <laughs> me only. I mean, I don't want people in my house all the time. Like, when I, if I'm having a party or something and I'm tired, like, true. if it's time to go, it's time to fucking go. Like, you know? that's the one thing that I feel is, like, sacred and private. It's yeah. like what goes on in my thoughts. Yeah. Well, these guys don't really have a lot of privacy. Yeah, they, they just jam right in there. Yeah. They're just like, <laughs> oh, sorry, were you thinking about something? I'm in your brain now. What's yeah. up? Well, they taught Woody how to communicate telepathically, um, and he believes that everyone on Earth could learn how to do so. And he gives, like, basic instructions and stuff. It's just about, like, being open and shit. Yeah. Indrid also tells Woody about a galactic council and an intergalactic council. Oh. Their goal is basically space communism through the sharing of new technologies. Okay. They can't use force, but 
that can instantly find the cause and cure for any problem. Well, I have some suggestions for them if, you know, if they want to help us out. Does that remind you of anybody? <laughs> I mean, it's the fucking Galactic Federation you know who it is. of Light. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the Ashtar Command. Yeah. Yeah. I'll bring up something a little bit later on, but God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just. Do you know how pissed I was when I read this passage? Yeah. When you get like this far into it and then you're like, oh. Dude, before this, I was texting you like, this is so fucking cool. Like, this book is great. Like, this was the point where I stopped texting you about this. Space brothers are here to help. We're all God's children and like the perfect. We're all to serve God and love one another. Oh my God. Mr. Cold, sir. I mean, I it's I not a you. terrible message. If you're going to no, spread great any message, Fine. then Fine. like, yeah, that's great. Fun. I great. put that out into the world than anything else. Unrealistic, yeah. but great. Yeah. Speaking I'm of cool unrealistic, this is also where the book takes a turn. Okay. <laughs> I titled this section Woody's Wild Rides. Oh, boy. <laughs> a few days after Woody's space friends revealed themselves to be basically Jehovah's space witnesses, just knocking on it. Let us tell you about how to live better. How we live better. Yeah. You can too. Um, when he's driving down the road again and he gets a telepathic message, just all of a sudden he's like, from injured, he says like, hey, Woody, you want to take a ride on a spaceship? And yeah. Woody, yeah. Woody says. Yeah. Woody says, fucking hey, hell yeah, brother, let's fucking go. You know? I mean, after all that time spent, like, telling me how much fucking better your planet is, like, yeah, yeah let's go. Let's fucking go. Take me there then. Show me, show me what I'm missing out on, apparently, since Earth sucks so much. Yeah, well. Andrew tells him that him and Carl Ardo have the old girl warmed up and ready to rock and roll. They've parked in a clearing off the highway. The old girl Wardo. Big old spaceship. Just, just, uh, just. (laughs) (laughs) The names are so stupid. (laughs) I love it. Got the ship all warm. Yeah, it's just like, it's ready to go. Come on. This is like, this is fucking, um. Hop on in, Woody. This is like Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, we're going for right? a ride. Like, I got my fucking sports car. You want to go for a ride? The cool kids. It's yeah, the fucking and Carl's cool got, like, his cigar hanging out of the corner of his mouth. Yeah. Carl's like the fucking kid from out of town. Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, injured fucking pulls into the clearing off the highway, gets in their goddamn race car. So, yeah, so Indrid says that they can go anywhere Woody wants, anywhere at all. And Woody says he doesn't know why he said this, but he said the Take Amazon— Take me where there are tits. No, he said the Amazon oh. rainforest. Oh, okay. And then they they put Welcome to the Jungle on the little uh, cassette player. Oh, God. They, and there's What is this spaceship. future music? Yeah. <laughs> and very shortly after, they're flying over the Amazon. It's described just like that. Very shortly after, they're over the Amazon. Oh, yeah. No fucking Welcome thrusters. to the jungle. Now they're there. Like, they didn't even get to the... They didn't even get to that part yet. I'm not going to play without licensing. Yeah, no. Axel Rose will fucking ruin Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I've been told on more than one occasion that I look like Axel Rose. That is not true. Um, I'll take it. Oh, he just looks so greasy. Yeah. You're less greasy. Less greasy, but not by much. I almost said much less greasy, but then I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) so they're over the amazon now this is this is this is important because it's fucking ridiculous they're over the amazon and then all of a sudden they're over the desert then they go to the moon oh they're everywhere they're just very quickly without woody talking about gravity or anything then they make contact with the mothership it's hiding behind the moon uh, they dock. That's what's on the dark side of the moon. Yeah. Along with um, this, the secret Nazi space base. 
It's just these guys. Well, no, I think there was shit on the dark side of the moon that what he talked about. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of shit he says that okay. I condensed. But there's um, the Lanulos mother base back there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mothership. They dock with mothership. The, they dock with the mothership. And if you've ever seen Independence Day, it's just like that with like the thing opening up in the center of this like huge disc. Yeah, they and dock. they go right up into it, and they like the ship goes into the ship, the docking bay and shit. Yeah, and and then Woody meets the commander of the mothership. They eat space green beans together. And then they, they leave and they fuck off and go to Saturn. They were How delicious. Were the green beans? They were delicious. Okay. Very fresh, organic. Good. Very important. They were organic. I hope they were like, ooh, sauteed with some space garlic. They, of course, yeah. They literally space have space parmesan. These fuckers literally have space versions of everything we have. They have space deer. Mm. They have space parmesan. Space parmesan. <laughs> they have space cannolis. Wow. Yeah. Space Italians, even. He said they were. He, he described him as a space Italian. I thought so, because like <laughs> you said very tan skin. I'm imagining hair slicked back, yeah. on the back in a fucking <clears throat> loud suit, very tan. That's they a have space been, Italian. They've been Italian in my head this whole time, just so you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a good way to visualize. <laughs> so they eat the space green beans, and then they f- with the commander of the mothership, and then they fuck off and they go to Saturn. Okay. Ooh. What do you know about Saturn? Okay, Saturn. What do you know about Saturn? Saturn's sexy and deathy. Doesn't matter. It's all wrong. Okay. It's all wrong. Everything. See, this is a quote from Woodrow Derenberger. I could see the rings of Saturn very plainly. I had read something of these rings, but I did not know or have any idea what caused them. That was until now. The entire planet of Saturn is shaped like a huge bowl with people living inside it, like in a valley. The rim of this so-called bowl is covered, in with, is covered with ice. The rings of Saturn are simply rainbows that are caused by the sun shining on this ice. Oh, it's beautiful. It's just a bowl. It's just yeah, a floating bowl. Surrounded by rainbows. And there's a bunch of people in the bowl. Yep. And they're all living and they have an ice sky. Then they go to Lanulos. Oh, okay. So yeah, just, just real quick. They just wanted to, here's Saturn. Yep. Okay. It's like a paragraph. That's it. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Woody describes on Lanulos flying over the gatherings, remember uh, yeah. what they call cities. Yeah. Seeing all these people and streams and forests and hover cars. And Woody's told that he can't get off the ship just then because he needs to be vaccinated for space diseases first. Right? That's very smart. Yeah. It is. They're very responsible. So later on, May 11th, 1967, the big day comes when Woody gets to go to Lanulos. Like after that, they just return home. They drop Woody off. Oh, shit. All, all that? Yeah. And, wow, and, well, just like, a little cock tease. No, 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 because what he's like, well, can we plan a trip? Like, can I walk? And they're like, fuck yeah, brother. Yeah, no, we just need to set it up. So, like, we'll be back. Because remember, like, <laughs> okay. for years, Woody says that Indrid and Carl would just fucking show up and hang out and, like, they'd do space shit together. Yeah, all right. Yeah. So, we'll get to it next time, bros. Yeah. So, later on, May 11th, 1967. Oh, so this is only a half a year after the initial contact. So they're not like, this isn't really a tease, like from meeting a dude in November mm-hmm. to like going to his house May, uh, in, in May. Yeah. That's pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when they don't have cell phones. Right. Yeah. How do you plan it? <laughs> right? Telepathically. They, they, they all work for a living. As you do telepathically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's true. That's true. So, May 11th, 1967, the big day comes when Woody gets to go to Lanulos. 
Woody's big day. Woody's big day. Woody's big field trip. And this time it's not just Indrid and Carl, but other space people too. There's this Clinnell from the planet. Clinnell. Ceranibus. Well, okay. Clinnell uh, from Ceranibus. Yeah, that's just another more space people. Clinnell, Ceranibus. There's Indrid's wife, Kimmy. Okay. And there's the married couple, uh, Tommy and Daryl. Oh. Yeah. Okay. T-O-M-M-I and D-A-R-Y-L. Tommy. Space people. Daryl. Just literally people. They're all hanging out. But they all have different like, types of spaceships and stuff. Like, yeah. Like, Clinnell from Ceranibus Sir- has a different type like ship. And there's all these, like, sketches of these ships in the in the book. It's the only worthwhile So part. they're all getting together to, like, go check out Lanulos together? Yeah, they're bringing Woody to, to Lanulos. All right, cool. So on the way there, Woody gets his shots and he takes a deca- decontamination shower. Right, and he says like there was one guy on the ship who was like a medic. But he was like just like going on a cruise a medic and a, and a doc- It's exactly like going on a cruise. Yeah, they get to Lanulos. First, they go to Indrid's house. It's brick. It's like near the woods. It's uh, it's very nice, very like fairy tale home ship. Right? Yeah. They go in. Woody meets the rest of Indrid's family, like his daughter Camillus, Connor, and Connard. And like in my head, Connor and Connard are um, Siamese twins. No, they're not. They're like the yeah, but in my head they are right. But they're like the typical like all American younger and older brother team. You mm. know, one's like like more bookish, but like all awesome and handsome, yeah. and the other's like the captain of the football team, but awesome and handsome. Like okay, you know, yeah, yeah, on toehead got- little bastards. Yeah, um, and like. Their lives are basically just like ours, but better. With near, but better, because like, they have God. Well, with like near future Dr. Seuss technology too. Okay, yeah. Like all sorts of devices but that sound like way because, dumber versions of ours. Because they follow God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. love, and they have no hate. Yeah. And if we could do that, then maybe we could be like them, and we could live long, and yeah. we could prosper, and, and yeah. we too could have sons named Connard. They also have space department stores. And why not? That yeah. Where else are you going to buy your space parmesan? Yeah. So after like going to the house, then they go into town, and and I'm like, and like the cars look like they literally look like magic carpets with like rolled up in the front like bobsleds. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That'd be. F- They're just riding them around. Okay. That'd be fun. That'd be it a fun be- way to travel. Everything about this place sounds great. Yeah. yeah. So they go to the gathering, and uh, here's. Woody writing about this. Indrid then took me on a tour of, a near, of the nearby gathering, which was their term for city. The gatherings were numbered, and this one was called Number 27 Gathering. My first surprise was the sight of the sidewalks, which were moving. Two such sidewalks ran in opposite directions. We stepped onto the inward-bound sidewalk and merely stood on it, being carried quickly to wherever we wanted to go. We stopped first at a huge structure, which I found to be comparable to one of our biggest department stores. As we walked through it, Indrid laughed and told me I would not be able to do what I was planning. More as a joke than being serious, he took me by the hand and his wife, Kimmy, took the other hand. They led me through the store. I could go as quickly or as fast as I wanted to, but I could not pick anything up due to the prior understanding that I was never to bring any artifacts back to Earth with me. Oh, well, that sucks. Yeah. But at least it's fun that he can, like, go around and look at everything. Yeah. That's he so, he's like their little son. Like, well, all right, you can... You can pick one thing, but you have to leave it here, and you can only play with it here. You right. can't bring it home. But this is also, again, this is similar to stories of Fairyland from, like, yeah. English myth and shit. And, like, the, yeah. and, and the jinn, right? 
Right. It's that whole. Oh, and if you, you do bring back, something home, you're fucked. You're fucked. You can't eat anything there. You're fucked. Yeah. Like, no, but really, like, yeah. But it doesn't have that similar quality. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Which is, that's why I find these contactee stories so interesting. I have a feeling if he tried to bring anything home, and he wouldn't, and that's probably why he's theirs, because he's built up a rapport with them. Like they would. Oh no, they're, yeah. They probably know. They'd be like, Woody. Well, it's also. Hand it over. So you gotta remember the thing about this story is that it's super physical too. Like this, like this sounds like some shit that's happened in Woody's head, right? But it's also like he's gone. He says he went down to Florida to NASA and like talked to people about this afterward, like after his initial reports. And they like, and he got told that like they basically know, but like they're not gonna say anything because it would drive people crazy and shit. Yeah. Perhaps one of the reasons John Keelator called Woody a pathological liar. But we'll get to that. Keel did say that he believed some of it, though. So when they leave the department store, Woody notices that all the Lanulosians are like, they're looking at him. He's the center of attention. They're pointing and they're kind of like, they look kind of afraid of him, right? Indrid tells uh, Woody it's, it's because Woody's wearing clothes. Did he not notice that, like, is everyone else naked or? Anulosians are nudists. Did He didn't notice that? Literally everyone around him has been naked from the start of this. Holy shit. <laughs> I guess he didn't notice. Okay. I have no idea. That was my fucking question too. Like, you just uh, went through a store, sir. Did you like, notice the cashiers? That's, what the? that's kind of a relevant detail to add, like, b- before all, because I've been right? imagining, like, that little, that, the hard fabric. No, they're all naked. Okay, they're, yeah. all right. Cool, uh, sick. Yeah, I even wrote in the notes, a point which would definitely have been made earlier if this was all literally true. Yeah. Yeah. To quote. Oh, this is where, like, this is where Woody's been doing, like, this whole shtick so long that it's starting to, like, he's, he's, (laughs) it's, like, popped into his mind during some weird moments, and now it's starting to meld, like, they're like, take (laughs) off your clothes, Woody. Well, to quote, have you read this, Pat? No. (laughs) To quote, (laughs) there, Carl, Ardo, and Indrid went with me into a restroom and asked me if I would disrobe. If I were also nude, the people he thought would believe me to be another Lanulesian. After much arguing and pleading on their part, I finally consented and did disrobe, and so walked out of the store with them. Wow. They're like, we put on clothes when we go to your planet. Please, what? Please take off your pants, Woody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, show, show us your little I mean, honestly, like, come on, man. It's yeah. going to make this so much easier. And then the people are super friendly and want to know all about him and, his, and, and shit. Yeah, like they're like, uh, who's who's this guy wearing clothing? Um, not cool, sir. Let me see your junk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I can't me, respect you until I can see your junk. Show me your junk, then we'll talk. Top of four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, take it all off. What he said, he didn't say that. Like. Their junk wasn't the most impressive thing about their society. No. You know what? You know what their You know what the most impressive part of society was? What he says to quote, "I think the thing that impressed me more than anything else was their monetary system. Although wow. everyone everyone works who is able, everyone is paid not according to his or her skill, but rather according to the size of the family and their general needs. 
they're given awesome. They are given what they call credits or script, and when they buy something, the article is written on the script and given to the clerk in the store, where it is kept for inventory purposes only so that the replacement stock can be ordered. No one ever has to live and want, and you can have all the credits that you need. I asked them if this was a communistic way of life, and they said, no, it was the free will of the people. I know by actual experience that they are truly a classless race of people. The top man in the guiding council is considered no better than the man who digs ditches. Naked... Space communist. Lanulos sounds ladies pretty and, fucking sick. Ladies and gentlemen, Madrid cold. Let me tell you that that is not a monetary system. Who who pays for the goods to be made? There's what what value does the script have if it's infinite and you just say I'm taking this now? Why even pay anything at all? You're not. You don't pay. How does anything function? How do you the don't things pay get made? By the good of our hearts. Money is to have something to do. You can't trade. Bread for They do in Lanulose. Lanulose is fairyland. Naked space communist injured cold is selling a false bill of goods. That I want to live in Lanulose. Ah, so like, does Woody. So does Woody. At yeah. this point, like, there are a bunch of other stories about injured and Carl showing up to, like, one time they chase away the bad aliens called humanoids, which are, like, these, like, fuzzy pink fucking things that like to steal things from people but can't hurt them, and they chase them away by tricking them. It's like some fucking Br'er Rabbit shit, dude. Wow. Um, there's one time when Woody's giving a talk, because, like, after his wife, wife leaves, he starts giving talks about his experience and shit. Uh, one time he's given a talk and like uh, they're like in the redwood forest and um, they hear a sound and this, they're like, what? what's that? Behind the bushes is like fucking Carl Ardo or Clinnell and his spaceship won't start. And he's like trying. He's like pulling the fucking cord on it. Like, yeah, like it's, it's a, a lawnmower. lawnmower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, hey, don't get back, get back, back. Like this thing will fry you if you get too close. It's like nuclear powered and shit. But you should go get the rest of the group and see if they want to see how a fucking spaceship starts. And so they do, and they see it, and it's fucking stupid. Wow. So this is all just some dumb bullshit, right? I love it, though. Even, like, yeah, this is excellent, no matter what it is. If 100% of it is a lie, I don't care. I'm telling you that economic system will fall apart in a decade. If that, <laughs> let's. Uh, it's fucking silly. Injured Mark. cold. Come on, come on. I dare you to enter our lives and let us know. Please don't. Actually, I'm all set. <laughs> so at this point, like, do we believe anything from Woody? Uh, I believe he saw some weird stuff in the sky. I mean, people are seeing weird stuff in the sky, right? Like, yeah, there's more than one witness, so something is happening. I see, like. It it really doesn't matter if I believe him. Well, I think it matters to the audience. And now, with, like, what we've done just now is, if you look at anything else about Injured Cold, you're going to see these, like, creepypastas about, like, the grinning man, the grinning alien and shit. That's the story that the dude who saw him wrote. It's about this fucking ridiculous lanulose bullshit. It's way harder to believe, I think, than a weird man in the dark, right? At least mm-hmm. in my mind, right? For, and for the general audience, I suppose, this story is very fucking weird because there is a decent amount of evidence for it. Yeah. Now, I talked about John Keel a bit earlier. A lot of people online have negative things to say about Keel's reporting. What's interesting is that the dismissal of John Keel comes from hardcore UFO people and hardcore skeptics. Both. 
that means he's doing something right in my eyes, right? The true yeah. believers of UFOs don't like him. The hardcore skeptics don't like him. Both assholes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Zealots. Now, there's some fucking lines in Keel's books that I find distasteful. Well, fucking whatever. We're not here for that. And yeah, he changed his opinion many times over the course of his career. And that's actually As very you do. Good. I've changed my mind about stuff since the start of this podcast. Absolutely. And no, he didn't cite his sources. Why? Because he's writing pulp-ass trade paperback paranormal stories in the fucking 60s. And also, when you're conducting on-the-ground research and interviews and you say, Woody told me about a smiling spaceman, that's the source. It has been cited. The yeah. source is like, Woody. Like, what else do you want? What else can you say? You um, want a picture? I don't think so, buddy. So, and after watching all of the interviews you can find with John Keel online, I will say 100% I believe that John Keel acted in good faith throughout his career. He was an earnest investigator, and the fact that he didn't allow himself to get pinned to any narrative is testament to that. Later in life, when asked if he believed Woody's story was bogus, Keel said that, yes, it's mostly bogus, but he believes the initial encounter happened, or that, at the very least, Woody Derenberger experienced what he says he experienced. But then he also says Woody was a pathological liar. We don't know why. And that particular sentence, they play that clip in Hellier. I have not been able to find that particular sentence of that particular interview online afterwards. We don't know why. But remember, John Keel didn't just talk to Woody Derenberger. He talked to multiple other people who saw the same UFO on the same night, including one man who said he saw injured cold. And as Keel says when defending his belief that the initial encounter happened, the first thing Woody did was go to the police. Yeah. And well, police, that's what Cold told him to right. do. And the police believed him because they had, they had had multiple other similar reports that night. Yeah. Another interesting facet to this story is that John Keel found other anomalous events around the same time that match up in some regards with Woody's tale of meeting injured Cold, but not exactly. And that's very mm. interesting, too. So October 16th, 1966, a, a little less than a month before, uh, before Woody's encounter, November 2nd, 1966, when two boys, Martin. This is what location? This is New Jersey. New Jersey. New Jersey. Two boys, Martin Mouse Munoff and James Jimmy Yanchitis. Yanchitis? Yanchitis? They were walking on. Uh, Yanchitis. They were walking down the road when they saw a, a surreal. <laughs> they saw a surreal figure standing near a fence. Surreal um, figure. Quoting, I just, uh, even those two words, I don't like that. It's some shit. I mean, this is just like, this passage is just from the fucking Wikipedia. Like, this is just another, you know, it's just dog shit internet writing. Yeah. Yeah. A surreal figure standing near a fence. As they walked closer, the figure was a tall, bald man wearing a metal green suit who was staring right at them with a huge grin. <laughs> okay. You didn't see that until you, like, how many... Steps away, do you have to be until it, it was it, nighttime? Okay, yeah. okay, so you the <laughs> just you then they Creepy. say that the man chased them off, uh, chased them until they got away from him. Um, yeah, but like, what does that mean? This we don't was just know, like, like a, a crazy dude in like uh, he, yeah. I don't know, spray painted armor. I don't know what. <laughs> UFO sightings were also reported around that area of New Jersey at the same time. Yeah. Uh, here's a quote from fucking, I guess this is, uh, it's not Jimmy, it's Martin Mouse Munoff. Jimmy nudged me and said, Marty, it's Marty, Marty and Jimmy. J Jimmy nudged me and said, who's that guy standing behind you? I looked around and there he was behind that fence, just standing there. He pivoted around and looked right at us. Then he grinned a big old grin. And that's where the creepypasta shit comes from, right? Yeah. 
right off the bat, there are some huge differences. But still, it's kind of weird. The metallic green suit, the UFO sightings, right? I don't know. Um, it's not great, but it's probably just a pedophile. But Yeah, well, here's the thing about... Indrid, he walked, he smiled at you. He walked up to you. He sort of like initiates the contact. Yes. Whereas this is more of a contact situation where the creature is obscured in the shadows mm. and doesn't even acknowledge you until you acknowledge it. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a big difference that's to me. That's a huge difference, dude. Good point. Is good. how it initiates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, uh, good catch on that. Fuck yeah. So that's very different to me. Yeah. Now- then there's this other family in uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia, which is where the Mothman shit took place. The Lily family. They've been re- reporting poltergeist activity in their home, such as like diamond-shaped lights. Cool. Yeah. The Lily's daughter, uh, Linda, was sleeping one night and awoke to see a man standing over her. It was a man, a big man. This is, this is a quote. It was a man, a big man, very broad. I couldn't see his face very well, but I could see that he was grinning at me. He walked around the bed and stood right over me. I screamed again and hid under the covers. When I looked again, he was gone. Weird. This, these are just like creepy little stories about like smiling men. But this is from Point Pleasant right down the road. Oh. Same exact time. This <laughs> okay. is all no, October uh, 1966, 1966 was the boys in New Jersey. This is right around the same. This is during the Mothman, like uh, 1966 to 67. Like this is, yeah. this is, this is somewhat time in the fall. And of course, this is like... Um, it's like on the UFO subreddit, how it's almost a meme to say like, well, how how do you know it's not just lanterns or whatever? But like, um, this is that the version of that for paranormal experiences. How do we know? Is that just sleep paralysis? It doesn't sound like sleep paralysis. Yeah. Oh, like a man standing, a creature standing over you, something standing over you and you feel like you can't move. It's always a witch sitting on your chest. It's not always. Okay, fair enough. People have described multiple different things. When I get sleep paralysis, it's like, it's a jaggy shadow man. Yeah. You know? But it's not like, it's not a dude. I don't, I don't know. I've never had it, so I don't know. Oh, But like, from the accounts that I've heard, it can be a multitude of different things. I've, I've regularly had it throughout my life. The defining thing seems to be the paralysis part. Yes. That is, that is true, but it's also like you would never, I don't know. I would never describe it as like, maybe it would be grinning. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think it depends for um, on the environmental factors and like the lighting in the room too. I would always like, call it a monster, not a man though. You know? Yeah. But it's weird that it happened at the same time. It is. But it could also be sleep paralysis. It yeah. is. Yeah. Who no, knows? That's a, that's a, that's Who knows? That's that's just I don't know if it's sleep paralysis. I that no, but wouldn't that's even a, be that's my good, first guess. That's a good but that's, catch too, though. That's the thing that um that like most people would probably be their first guess. I mean, of course, this family was also reporting poltergeist activity around the same time. Yeah, right. And I don't discount that because, like, sometimes there some areas just weird stuff be happening, and especially this area. Again, yeah. this part of the country at this time, the weirdest shit was happening. Now, mm-hmm. but, but like, is that mass hysteria, right? Like, is because that could be, that's one argument against the Mothman shit is that like all these people started seeing things as weirder than they were. And like, you know, John Keel and Gray Barker didn't help by like whipping it into pulp stories, right? Yeah. But it's weird. It, I'm going to say 
I'm going to say there's enough of this shit to be weird. There was another kid who like Woody says that someone, there's this kid who reported also visiting Lanulos with these guys and like Woody. Well, who's Eel, this kid? I, I didn't give his name. I don't think he was like a college kid. His name might've been like Steven or something. I, they did give his name. I just fucking didn't write it down. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like a good student and shit. He was like, you know, 19 or 20 and Woody, John Keel and Gray Barker, the who Gray Barker is another writer like John Keel went to investigate this. People I've heard that name. Gray Barker has he his he didn't really believe in UFOs, but he liked the stories. Yeah. So there's this other book that I uh, started reading. I started reading this after I watched after I rewatched the show Hellier, mm-hmm. which especially if you've been following us for a few months is worth a watch or a rewatch. They. Uh, the, those guys got roped into the same bullshit as us, uh, just from a different angle. Yes. And, yeah. And a book which features very prominently in that show is called The Secret Cipher of the Euphonauts. And I'm not going to like get very much into that. It's much more from the occult perspective of UFOs and shit than any space communism noise. Alan Greenfield, the author, was high up in a thalamic order earlier in his life. And like, there's lots of talk about waskily wabbits and shit. Yes. Uh, he's talking about the Ballard's a- making an appearance in yeah, that dude, book. He gets them. He, I have to say, in the sequel, Secret Rituals of the Men in Black, he gets the Ballard story so fucking hilariously wrong. And I mean, mm-hmm. like, it's probably because Gerald Bryan's book, uh, Psychic Dictatorship America, wasn't really that available then because. The Ballards did tell all their followers to burn all his book, to buy all his books and burn them. That is totally just a reminder of the things that those fuckers did. And so, like, he didn't have the information that, like, you know, you and me had when we were right. Um, and it's way harder to research like, things back then. He, he never mentions Edna. It's just, it's just God. Yeah. And like, if it was just one of them, it was just Edna. You know. Yeah. Um. He says that Donald's name, their son, was named Mark, and that that was the actual identity of Mark Prophet. I I love that. Yeah. I love that idea. Definitely Me not too, true. Right. But I can see how without it's the- It's very f- a fun concept. Yeah. Because we also kind of played, we batted that idea around for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And like, if you didn't have psychic dictatorship in America, I can see where that mistake could be made. So I was pissed when I first read that because I'm protective over those villains. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, don't let them be misunderstood. Yeah. They're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> But like, yeah, but like, I mean, I'm reading this, this book after doing these series and shit and after watching Hellier from a different perspective as I had the first time I watched it after right. doing the master shit and stuff. And like, I open up like a cast of characters in these, in Alan Greenfield's book and it's like fucking Guy Bowden. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I can't get away. Yeah. One of the least known characters in history, but like, oh, he's right here with injured fucking cold. But yeah, so this book centers, they don't even know what this book's about. Yeah, I'm just going off on a rant about the fucking Ballards again. <laughs> like I do we can't help ourselves. I, I hate them. I hate them so much. Um, they're set, they're the vampires. Yeah. So they are. Fucking <laughs> um, so, he, you know, he's talking about. Green, Alan Greenfield is talking about like ancient Egyptians and the Anakin angels and like the secret chiefs and the mass and the secret code hidden in Aleister Crowley's book of the law. It's, it's fucking nuts, but it's a totally different type of nuts than the visitors from Milanulo shit. Right. But at the end of this book, uh, there's a transcript of a supposed conversation between the author, Alan Greenfield and a character named Terry wrist. It centers around injured cold terrorist. Yeah. That really, that's, but like, okay, here's the thing about that. Maybe but, I shouldn't get this. because So around about this time, 
Shit, when do the Invisibles come out? God damn it. Oh, I can't believe I'm just going to have to get into this. You don't. We can save it for after. Because I want to oh. know. Yeah, okay. I want to know. I mean, okay, here's the thing. Right around this time, fucking, was this was the 90s. This was chaos magic. This was like that, that fucking raver chaos magic shit, right? The, yeah. So like the comic book series, The Invisibles had recently come out. And like that, that like revolves around like basically magical punk anarcho-terrorists, right? Yeah. At war with the, the invisible church, it's called, which is like the Queen of England and she's a tentacle monster and shit. Yeah. It's awesome. I highly recommend this series. It's fucking great. But Alan Greenfield came from a philemic tradition that was started by this dude named Kenneth Grant. Kenneth Grant was uh, operative back in like the um, the 30s and shit. I'm going to talk more about his style of philema later on because it involves a or later on next year because it involves a certain rocket scientist who's very close to my heart. Kenneth Grant was the first guy to bring in the idea of fictional characters within magic, uh, most prominently with H.P. Lovecraft's Cthulhu mythos, meaning Kenneth Grant was a magician who then saw value in bringing in elements that he probably understood were fictional, like Cthulhu or, you know, these these forces right. from Lovecraft. But everything that's fictional is made by a real person from their real mind from right. real things that they thought about. Exactly. <laughs> so, But it's important to point out that Alan Greenfield comes from this tradition of utilizing fiction. Yeah. Right? So and could, his name, Terry Wrist, right after The Invisibles, which is about magic. Is that is Terry Wrist just Alan Greenfield in, interviewing himself? I would bet on it. Like, is I he would, just talking to a pseudonym and he's just like having a conversation with the has, character he I came bet up he has with? A clever way to get out of it. Like, it might be his friend, but I think for our purposes as to what like the meaning of that is, I believe Terry Wrist is Alan Greenfield. That would be my best guess. I'd, I, maybe we don't not, know. But if I was forced to put money on an option, that's where I'm putting my money. Yeah. Every, every as opposed time. to Terry Wrist being a different person or because another person. that's what I would do. Right. And like. I mean, no matter who it is, it's a pseudonym. Yeah. Um, now, regardless, uh, according to these fellers, or feller, Terry Rist met Indrid Cold by finding his address through the secret code embedded in Crowley, Alistair Crowley's Book of the Law. And get this, Indrid is not Italian. He's a black dude. Oh. He's one of the blonde aliens, though. Okay, so turns he's a black out, blonde. Well, it turns out that they say the... The blonde blonde is just the name of the species for some reason. It's just like the way it got referred to because the first ones they saw. But they actually have the same range of races as we do. They're just like us. Okay. Andrew Cold's a black dude because his name has the same numerical value as the phrase ink and black in the code from Aleister Crowley's Book of the Law. Oh, my God. Our listeners are going to be like, oh, blah, blah. Because I'm like, blah, blah, blah. I can follow, but I've I'm read still the book like, like blah, blah, blah. three times. And I'm still like, I don't, why am I doing this with my life? I should have stayed in college. Okay. Um, so injured cold is a black man. Yeah. So injured cold is a black dude. Okay. He's one of the blonde aliens from the You'd be black and Italian. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I honestly, if this is all real, I think he was a black dude. And Woody Derenberg didn't want to say that because he was in West Virginia in 1966. That could be so. That's my guess on that. Mm-hmm. So, and he's from, uh, Indrid Cold is from the Procyon system. <gasps> the 
raccoon people. Raccoon people from the Lacerda files. Yeah, right. Lacerda. Yes, 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 yes. And he's stranded here on Earth, injured Coldus. Mm-hmm. The, um, the Derenberger incident and the Mothman incident, uh, the larger Mothman incident that engulfed the, the, the flap that engulfed the yes. region, were failed distress beacons to the, end quote, third order. What uh, the? Okay, so all of these weird events that happened in mid-60s West Virginia, all this, like, crazy avalanche, this wave of just yeah, weird it was like shit. like stress beacons. Yeah, so this is supposed to signal to, to who? The Third Order? The Third Order. The Third Order, capitalized, are humans and post-humans advanced enough to serve as humanity's representatives to the galactic government. Waskly rabbits, right? Okay. Indrid Cold and Carl Ardo, all all the rest, they're fugitives. They're hiding. They're on the run from the Greys and the and the darker aliens that serve and quote the negative, whatever the that's the, the negative only, ETs. Yeah, it, I don't know what the it's, it's not the Greys. What the fuck is the negative? I don't know. Well, well, Gray. I don't know what's negative. I don't like. It's said as like the Greys are one type of aliens and then the darker aliens that serve the negative and fucking Indrid, And then there's the light being. Right, which are the blind, like Indrid and fucking Carl and shit and Clinnell or whatever. I don't know. How, whoever they are. But they're uh, on the run. They're on the run and they can't. From the dark beings. Right. Which are, because I always feel like um, Grays kind of have been associated with Negative stuff. I mean, they've Absolutely. been associated across the board. Yeah, I mean, everything. it was interesting to me to see that like sort of separated. Like, I want. You got any reptilians the- in this or or I what? Mean, I would say that the darker, like that's a very Lovecraftian way of describing it, right? Or is it just the void? Is it just yeah, like the, the negative? Yeah, the void. I mean, that's ultimate yeah. evil, right? Like that's yeah, the negative. That's the that's Satan. Like that's a, that's just the stand-in for evil. Yeah. Um. Now, to be fair, in the interview, Terry R. Wrist does state that he doesn't know how much of this to believe. <laughs> but that's the story Indrid Cold, or whatever his name is, told him. That's what he says to, or whatever his name is. Yeah. <sighs> fictions within fictions within, within fictions. Within fictions. It gets so confusing. But remember, with fucking witnesses to the initial event. Right. Yeah, with the Air Force sergeant at the goddamn interview the next day. But then it it all just, like, snowballs, or rather, it doesn't snowball into, I feel like it fractates out, like... (laughs) Okay. It gets bigger, but it gets smaller at the same time, like these stories and the the truths and the lies and the characters. I mean, unpacking all of that would take a career, right? Yeah, right? Um... But like, let's let's think about a little of this. So, I think the most fun way to do is to like, it's if you're just like, ah, everyone's just making it up to sell books. Like, why are you still listening to the show? There's um, you don't. That's not fun. Yeah, there's a uh, way better books to write too. Right, way more popular genres. Yeah, right. Because also a lot of these people that write these books aren't very good writers. Like they're not writers. John Keel is. Yeah. Yeah. He is. And if it was only him. That ever talked about this? Dernberger's not a great writer, though. Dernberger fucking sucks. He's the worst. Yeah. The book is so full of typos and shit, like missing words and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's, and this is the revised, republished edition, right? <laughs> like it's yeah. not good. 
he died broken fucking alone. Like that's, you know, poor bastard. What can you say? Right. Like he didn't get fucking rich. Like he didn't start a religion. He didn't like. He had a trip to Lanulus though. And that's and more than right. we could say. He's more than most by people his story say. too. The only things that change in his story, the distance the UFO was hovering at the beginning gets higher. At first he says 50 feet. Then he starts saying 50 to a hundred feet. And there's one other like distance measure that gets, it does the same thing. It gets like he, yeah. he upsells the, uh, the estimate, but that's it. When Kiel saw those UFOs in, in, uh, in Woody Derenberger's yard, he saw them as glowing blue orbs. That's what he went chasing off after. Fucking orbs, man. Right. Right. These, these orbs, I cannot escape them for the life of me. I mean, that's what all the UFOs that Woody Derenberger reports in Visitors from Langlios, you know, the ones that start showing up around his house when he moves and that attracts all the TV crews and people. It's orbs. It's not saucers and shit. It's not UFOs like Indrids. It's orbs. Right? The similarity to fairy stories and superheroes. Yeah. Which come from the same shit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's totally, as John Keel says, like, Woody Derenberger could be a pathological liar. And he might have, like John Keel believes, just made up shit afterwards and tried to sell books or had an alcoholic fucking fuck off fantasy delusion. Remember, his right. wife asked if he had killed anybody. But in the, like, Thelemic tradition of Kenneth Grant and incorporating fictions into real world magic. Even if Durnberger was a big fat liar, did his lies not take on a life of their own? They did. And also like people did examine, there are in the back of this book, there are reports from psychologists who were called in by like NICAP and shit, like the UFO investigating people, like, because they were like the, the big ones operated out of Washington DC or whatever. Unless they too are hashtag in on it. Well, what do you thought they were in on it with the government? You know, they weren't like they they weren't taking him seriously and shit. He writes all pissed off about it. But there are documents in the back of this book from psychologists who examined Woody and like subjected him to lie detector tests, even though those are like those are. If they didn't take him seriously, he would be like, uh, I don't know, like medicated. Right. There's a paper. (laughs) And forcibly held against his will or something like. There's a paper trail of people spending time and money on this guy. Right. Right. And then there's like paper trail of like, well, 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 then there's the idea of like, okay, well, what if, is this dude like one of the men in black? Is this like, is this a military experiment? Like, is this something like, are they fucking with this dude with like drugs or like fucking. Or Woody himself is fucking with all of us and he's in on it. He could, I mean, he could be, his book says he's buddies with these guys. So yeah. He also says the Saturn is a bowl of ice and the well, you know. What do I know? I don't know. All I see is what do we know? The pictures NASA sends me. Never. A straight and we answer. know those are fake. Mm-hmm. Hashtag flat Earth. Hashtag never a straight answer. Now, like, the, what about the idea of like? Remember when I was talking about in this in uh, the Nessa episode with like that woman who said she was followed by one a UFO throughout her life? Yeah. And I had the idea of like, what if it's just like projecting what it wants her to experience and shit? Mm. And then there's like this interplay between what the person's giving and what the, and what they're experiencing shooting out within that communication is the experience. Yeah. Like what he wanted to see, that's what his idea of a heaven was at at this time, like the perfect place, the comforting place to, to go. Right. Yeah. Like this near future, but better earth, but better and safer and less clothing. 
Yeah, everyone naked. They have washing machines that don't make a bunch of fucking noise. Yeah, their washing machines are like this room where you hang shit up and it like dry washes and it cleans everything. Awesome. Yeah, they have all these like goofy Jetson fucking ass machines and stuff. Wow, okay. Yeah, like it sounds super pleasant. It's like the ideal... Th- Look at I this mean, do you have? A, I have like kind of a place, like a fantasy land that I daydream about. It's like this built-up landscape. I don't know. I, not, I suppose I do. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe like not so well-defined as yours. I think. Yeah. There's like different locations and stuff, and like the mechanisms of existing are different there because they are in my imagination and not in real life. So right. The boundaries of reality do not exist. Right. If you want to fly on a magic carpet, you can. Yeah. I mean, imagine that all the cars are fucking flying carpet cars. People on like mats. Like, just like, man, it's so dreamlike and so fantasy. But there's all these witnesses to mm-hmm. the initial thing. Right? Yeah. Now, what about when Terry Riss says that it was a distress beacon? What's a fucking distress beacon? It's a, it's to a, the third order. It's like a, something that sends a signal. Hey, the veil is is getting really thin here. What if the signal from the beacon was of a energetic frequency or, or, or range to allow Woody's mind to go into overdrive, which with his like imaginary virtual reality creation machine, right? Yeah. What if injured cold is an orb? Yeah. And so is every other thing it's trying they to get They can to. show up as orbs. And the specific communication, the words that Woody heard were just words that Woody made up. And like, it's just like a, well, it's all telepathic. a vibe that the orb yeah. sent out. Everything, this, the suit to make him comfortable because that's what he's wearing. Right. A car, a, a UFO that looks like a fucking hot rod. Space communism that's not called communism. Uh-huh. Because it's democratic. And that's right. not really a distinction, but like. It would be to a sewing machine salesman in 1966. Mm-hmm. Can't call it communism. Wants the hippie shit, but doesn't want to look like hippies. Right. right? Yeah. Just an amplified version of what was that? I don't know. That was the weirdest sound I have ever heard. Where did heard. it come from? I don't know. <laughs> Where did it come from? Is it wind? I don't know. It sounds really weird. It might be wind. We're just like hearing it yeah. through a couple of filters. Just like really sensitive to it or so. I don't know. It sounds weird. It's fucking strange. We're talking <laughs> about weird shit. I don't know, dude. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, like the whole experience, what he made up, but because the orb was just communicating through vibes or something. I don't fucking know. That's one explanation. Maybe none of it happened. I don't fucking know. Fuck Lanulos. Fuck Lanulos. I like Lanulos. I love Lan- Lanulos. Lanulos is a lie. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's a it's fucking lie. Lanulos. Lanuli. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I found it. Lanuli. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking A. Like, I don't know. It. There's so many more tangents you can go on with this story, and I think that's why it's stuck around for us. It's really good. It's like, awesome. Whatever it is, it's fun and at get, the very least. I don't know what the hell's going on here. Then, no, then, certainly not. Indrid Cold. Best best name. Indrid Cold. There's, there's clues cold. here. There is. There's yeah, clues yeah, yeah. here that are they're they're calling to me, but I'm I don't know if I want to answer the call. Yeah. Maybe 
maybe best to sleep on it. See if you want to call it back. Yeah. That's uh, that's how I deal with that. Indeed. You know? <laughs> Is that it? I think so. Yeah. Injured cold. Fucking really weird. A tangential, uh, uh, you know, a side character in the, in the Mothman lore. But really, really goddamn weird. Like, weirder than the Grinning Man creepy pasta, creepypasta would have you fucking think. Way cooler. Way cooler. And way weirder. Way more thought-provoking. Yeah. Because, like, I don't know. What is just, like, a, a creepy smiling man? Like, yeah, it's, like all right. It's just, cool. It's some goosebump shit. Yeah. What What is, like, why do you fucking weirdos on the fringes of society keep having fairyland experiences? And, like, why was the Air Force at that interview? Yeah. What the fuck is all that? Indeed. Yeah. So I think next week uh, we're going to, there's not going to be an episode next week because it's going to be like, what's next one? Uh, next Wednesday is like the 22nd. Yeah. So Christmas, Christmas yeah. time is here. No one's going to listen, so we're not going to release anything. La, la, la. That's why. Now we're going to take Christmas, a week off. Christmas, yeah. Because we can. Yeah, we yeah. deserve it. Yeah. And you deserve it too. Yeah. <laughs> so We all deserve all right, it. Um, Follow us wherever you want to follow us. If you like what we do, um, yeah, leave us, a, leave us a good rating on uh, on Apple Podcasts. It actually really, really helps. For some reason, that's a thing that matters, and I don't know why. It does. They like when you when you have good reviews. I like it. We're also on we're on Instagram. We're, we're on, Instagram. on Twitter. We're on Twitter. Willow Truman. You can look me up. I'm on Instagram and Twitter as well. <laughs> you can interact with me. Interact with the pod. Yeah, yeah, boost those pod. socials. Um, oh, God. Don't miss those socials. <laughs> boost those boost socials. The, oh God. I don't know the slang. I don't know the social slang. I suck <laughs> at this shit. <laughs> but We're trying our best out here. I, I'm just not good at social media, and I'm not apologizing for that. Yeah, like, no. I can suck We're out learning. It. I'm trying. We're learning. Yeah. All right, All right folks. We love you. Merry Take Christmas. Care. Happy holidays. Yes. Fucking happy life. Be well. Be Jingle bells. Be on yourselves. Have something good to eat today. Mm-hmm. Take care. Bye-bye.